I always, this is kind of cool. I always wanted to wear one of these. I feel like I belong in a boy band or something. <laughs> but um, before we get into this, um, why don't we just pray? Father, we just thank you. We just come to you right now uh, as your children. Um, and we are grateful for that, Lord, that we could call you Father, um, that you have saved us um, from um, where we where we were headed, Lord God. And um, you have rescued us from that place that we will be able to um, look you in the eyes and call you Father, and that uh, we have that assurance of salvation which only comes from you, God. Lord, as we listen, and as we um, take in your word, Lord, um, may we just take it to heart. And um, as we go out into this world, as we uh, face many challenges and uh, the obstacles that are ahead of us, that you will give us strength, Lord. Um, to live for you, God, and ultimately to bring uh, glory to you and and uh, do work for your kingdom so that your name will be on high, Lord. Father, we just thank you for this time. Um, just let you come forward and let everything just fall to the background, God, this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, I can't believe 2009 is over already, actually. It's been a great year for me. Um, lots of ups and downs, actually. But uh, my daughter, Gabriella, was born um, in April. And I also started my second year at Naya College. And I was also added to the staff of New Hope Fellowship as the youth pastor. So there's been a lot of uh, challenges and exciting times for myself personally. Um, as the year comes to a close, though, you can't help but think ahead to the new year. And, of course, one of the things that people like to do in the year end and when the new year comes is make new year resolutions for themselves. And some people plan to lose weight. I mean, I could lose some. And uh, some plan to exercise more, to study more. Um, to be a better father, mother, a brother, sister, etc. But as for me, I have to admit that um, I never make any New Year's resolutions per se. Because it's not because I don't want to set any goals and then for myself, and then I fail and I get all disappointed and all that. But it's because I try to make long-term goals um, that would not only benefit myself but those around me. Um, some of the goals I have made um, so far uh, for the upcoming year is to control my temper, especially on the road, because I know I get road rage and it's a problem. Helen will attest to that. And, uh, and to be a loving husband and father, and, to wa- and most importantly, to walk upright as a man of God for the sake of being a light to others. But as we all know, being a light in this dark, dark world, it's not an easy to do, easy thing to do, because quite often the Christians and the church are often seen, uh, seen in a negative light by many people. 
even fellow Christians. And there is nothing that pleases the enemy more than to see dissension within the church and its members. I mean, we're all sinners, and we've all fallen short, and Christians and non-Christians alike. No one is immune to sin. Everybody sins, and that's a given. And it's ingrained in us. It's, it's, we have a sinful nature that just takes us over whenever it wants to. And because of our sinful nature, many churches are failing in their quest to keep the body of Christ together and alive and faithful to the calling of spreading the gospel. We often fall to things like pride, apathy, and choose the ways of the world instead of the ways of Christ. The sin that is rooted in us slowly seeps into the body of Christ and causing discord, disagreements, gossips, false agendas, and on and on. And we all know that the enemy is strong and the enemy is evil. He wants us to fail. He's determined to bring us down. Um, there's a pastor named Dr. Richard Kreitcher, and he did a study for his doctorate dissertation at um, Fuller Theological Seminary in California. And... Um, The dissertation was called Why Churches Fail. And he did a research where he tracked over a thousand churches over 10 years. That's a lot of churches. And um, he looked for the reasons that caused people to leave their church. And the number one reason why people stopped going to church, um, they cited the significant factor or main reason being conflict or gossip. Over 91% of people said this is one of the main reasons why they left the church. The number two reason that people leave a church is hypocrisy and judgmental attitude and actions of people. And 78% of people said that was the main reason for leaving. Number three reason, reported by 66% of the people, said that they do not feel like they belong that they do not fit in their, in their own church. I mean, I say all these things, all these statistics, it doesn't mean that this is what's happening here. I mean, we have wonderful leaders. I, I, I can attest to that. I, I'm surrounded by great leaders who are deeply rooted in God that are willing and ready to help at any moment. But, and through our pastor, Edward, we have learned what it means to live eat and breathe the word of God. And we have in place so many resources and programs like all these retreats and things like that. I highly recommend you go to them because I know the two professors personally from NIAC and ATS and they're just wonderful people. And I know that they have great things uh, of God's word to say to you, everyone. So I highly recommend that. But we have so many of those resources in place to feed our souls. But that doesn't make us immune from what ails these churches. I mean, I see it as, because I love cars. I I don't know how many of you like cars, but uh, I like cars. And I see it as a car needing maintenance um, as it takes uh, us to our destinations. It may need a tweak here and there. You might not need a whole new car per se but you might need like new tires, new brake pads, and things like that. And we need to prevent the enemy from penetrating the walls 
of our church. And I don't mean the actual physical walls of our church, but the spiritual walls um, that we have built up as a body of Christ. And we need to stand our ground as God's chosen people. So then the question is, how do we, as a body of Christ, as a church, not falter, but stand firm and fight when the enemy is out to get us? Because he is out there. He wants us to fail. The way we do that is we must be unified as one body and one spirit in order to fulfill God's plan for us. We as individuals have our own unique abilities and gifts. When I look out here to all of you, I mean, God has blessed you with so many talents and gifts, each and every one of you. We are unique in God's eyes. And when we collectively put all that together, all of our talents and the gifts, like with Christ as the head, and note that, we need to put Christ as the head, not ourselves. And we can do great things for the kingdom of God and become a body of Christ that is broadcasting the majesty and mercy of God. So it brings us to our text today. If you can look with me again to Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So let me give you a, a little background of Ephesians. As you all know, it's, it's writ, written by uh, Apostle Paul. And he was actually in prison when he wrote this epistle of uh, Ephesians. And he wrote um, this book to the church of Ephesus. And the two main, and the main, one of the main themes um, of Ephesians is that um, the Christ promotes unity within the church as him as the head of the body. Which brings us to our first point. In order to be unified as one body, we must be unified by preparing God's people for the work of ministry. Um, we have a lot of things in place at New Hope that, um, that I believe are um, preparing us in the right direction. Our care group especially. Um, I just love our time with care group. This semester, unfortunately, I wasn't able to go to a lot of them because of schoolwork and um, schedule conflicts and etc. But whenever I go, I feel um, the love of Christ and just building each other up in prayer and through uh, the meditation of the Word. Uh, it was such a good experience. But as we prepare ourselves, um, in order for the church as a whole to do works of ministry, 
We need to prepare ourselves for it. It is the job and the duty of the leadership of the church to train, teach, and equip each and every one of us uh, to the works, to do works for God. And as we minister to non-believers and atheists and those people around us, either at work or at school, wherever you may be, even loved ones, maybe family that are non-believers, um, as we do that, we have to be prepared for anything. Because um, as I talk to people, they um, pose some great questions um, in terms of why we believe in God. What What is it that we believe in? Why do we believe in this God that we cannot see? It is not an easy task. There will be doubts, arguments, hurts, even hatred towards you uh, that are fired, and even attacks about our faith in Jesus Christ. And we need to be prepared to know what we're talking about. Because you say, oh, I'm a Christian. They know that you're a Christian, those people around you that, that know you. And if they ask you a question and you're stumped, then what are they going to think about the gospel? How firmly do you believe in God? We must know Christ through studying the word and individuals, as individuals and also as a corporate body. Because we have to prepare ourselves through prayer because we cannot do this alone. We need to seek God's wisdom. We need to seek his strength and not our own. And just to share with you, I just got through the semester's uh, finals and various papers and projects and all that. And one of the classes I took this semester is called Intro to Homiletics. And homiletics, for those of you that don't know, um, it teaches you how to prepare, deliver, and critique a sermon. So this is, right now, is the fruit of my class. <laughs> and we read two books and listened to various lectures, and um, we had to prepare three sermons. Each, oh, we had about... 10 people in our class, and each student had to prepare three sermons each. So there was 30 sermons that we had to sit through through, uh, through the semesters. And we had a, a rating sheet where we critique every um, student's sermon. And it was a nerve-wracking experience. I mean, uh, this is pretty nerve-wracking as it is, but imagine like 10 people, after everything you say, Hmm, you know, like, it's, it's, it's a pretty nerve-wracking experience. And um, I hope my professor doesn't wind up listening to this uh, sermon. But because, honestly, I didn't study for the final. But I aced it. The reason why I did was because everything that was taught, everything that we read was ingrained in our heads. Because we went through the three sermons, we prepared the three sermons. It took me over a week to prepare one sermon. And I give mad props to all the pastors out there because sermon prepping is not easy. First, you have to um, find a scripture that you're really passionate about 
and you have to prepare all these things. I'm not even going to go into right now, but my point of this story is that we need to have the Word of God ingrained in our minds, just like I have this structure of the, these sermons ingrained in my head. And it's, it's been taught to us, and we've been doing it over and over again. And we need to read the Word of God, and we need to actually live the Word of God over and over again. And I think that people need to hear the gospel. Of course they need to hear the gospel. But then when we deliver it, there has to be no doubt in, my, in our minds and what's coming out of our mouths. There has to be no doubt as to what we believe and how firmly we, are, um, we live on the word of God. And on verse 12, it says, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So it brings us to the next point. We must be unified by maturing in Christ as individuals and as a body. And verse 13, it says, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14. It, then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. My daughter Ella's right on cue and crying <laughs> um, as we read verse 14. Um, it says, no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by the every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. As we all reach unity and faith in Christ, that can only be um, achieved if we mature in Christ every day on our own first. Because we cannot mature as a body of Christ unless all the members of the corporate body are in one mind and one spirit going towards one goal. And we have to seek, see and behold the majesty that God embodies and I, I love our vision statement. It says, um, Behold and broadcast the majesty and mercy of God. And to behold that mercy means for us to really um, to dig deep into the Word of God and have that like second nature to us um, as, we, as we go forth. Uh, since we are God's children, is it not our goal in our lives to become more like Christ every day? I mean, throughout our lives, we go through a lot of ups and downs. Um, that's just a part of life, isn't it? I mean, it is especially the case in our Christian lives. Um, there are so many times when I feel totally alone, like I'm stranded on an island, even though I know my Savior is always with me. I have my fa uh, friends and family. I know that I am not alone, but... Um, the enemy likes to remind me or to tell me that I am alone. 
It is, it's very easy to question God when things are not going right. Um, but it is those times that God puts us through where he just breaks us that makes us want to go to him more. That's when he wants us to go to him more. I think I probably had um, the toughest four-month stretch of my life in these past four months. And I'm not really exaggerating. Um, I don't really show it uh, emotionally uh, on the outside. I like to keep keep things on the inside. I mean, I, I know that's not always good. But emotionally, it has been like really draining. And a lot of things were weighing on me very heavily uh, these past four months. Um, if I didn't have my foundation on the on the rock of salvation, which is Jesus Christ, I probably wouldn't have survived this semester. Um, as you know, uh, I don't know if you know, but Ella is really a difficult baby. <laughs> I'm not just saying that because I had two hours of sleep last night just to to inform you, and um, she cries especially when Helen's at work she cries for mommy like crazy and um, she was actually not bad the two hours of sleep is um, I I kind of feel for Edward I know how it is to uh, prepare for a sermon because um, I just could not sleep either because um, I went back and forth on the scripture that I wanted to preach to you guys today and what God was really putting in my heart um, for today and um, just being in ministry when I when I first committed my life to Christ uh, to into go to go into ministry I really felt the enemy attacking me um, several times a day um, and I've been trying to uh, deal with that even you know, in your own home, in your in your school, um, wherever you go, the enemy is telling you you're not good enough. You're 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 gonna fail. That that God didn't really call you. That you just you're just thinking that yourself. And I think the enemy is really cunning, and he's very creative. He knows how to push your buttons. He knows when you're down, and he's just going to kick you down even more. And you know what? We cannot get back up by ourselves. Only by the strength of God can we stand up again and stand firm and say, You are not my Lord. You are not in control of me. Only the Savior, our Jesus Christ, is in control of me. And the enemy is lurking. He's standing right beside you. And he's he wants to attack you with everything he's got. Because there's nothing he enjoys more than to see Christians fail and come to his side. And we need to have faith that God will see us through the hard times that you go through. 
And we come out in the end as a stronger and faithful child of God. A lot of you I've known for many, many years. Um, I know I wasn't the, uh, the greatest Christian for most of my life. But, and I, I did things that I regret a lot. But I see those things as such good things that have built me up to where I am today. Because you don't know how it is, how good it feels to to turn around and stand and say, I am a firm believer of Christ. Because you might have been broken down, you might have been uh, trampled upon, whatever you might have gone through, that God is still there. He wants to pick you up. You just need to go to Him. And let's look at verse 14 again. It says, he will, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheme. Um, just recently, Ella's been trying to um, walk. Not by her, well, kind of by herself and then she fails miserably and just does a face plant right into the bed. But um, she's already showing signs of trying to get to other places. She wants to explore. And um, she, you know, she tries to uh, crawl to a toy. She can't really crawl yet. But she always wants to stand up and follow mommy or wherever I am going or, and whatever. But she's, um, but she's not old enough and strong enough to control herself. And that is what Paul is saying here. Because as we mature in Christ, we will be fully equipped and strong enough um, to discern and reject anything that any, or anyone that would try to steer us away from the path that God wants us to follow. And we may want to try to go here and there. We don't know what dangers or perils might be ahead of us, but God wants to steer us the right way. And we just have to listen to him and follow where he wants us to go. And that brings us to, okay, so let me recap points one and two. One, we must be unified by, we must be unified by preparing God's people for the works of ministry. And number two, we must be unified by maturing in Christ as individuals first and then as a body. Which brings us to my last point. It says, we must be unified by each part of the body doing its function for God's kingdom. If we look at verse 15 and 16, it says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love, as each part does its work. The truth that um, we must speak should not be used to force people into acceptance and obedience. Say, you have to do this. No, but it must be always presented in love, by grace and mercy of God. When I look out um, into the pews, again, I see so many different gifts that God has given you. Everybody has their specific talents. Um, There is this one personality test that uh, one of my professors did for our um, class. It's a lion 
otter, golden retriever, and ant. And each of you fall into one of those categories or several categories. And the lion is a natural-born leader. The lion is always in charge. Let's go. Let's do this. Take charge in command. And the otter is very fun, loving, and you know, likes to crack jokes and 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 very outgoing, bubbly, and things like that. And then you have the uh, golden retriever. Golden retriever is very loyal, faithful, um, not always quiet, but very loving and and very uh, uh, loyal to uh, the people around him or her. And Lastly, the ant. The ant is very methodical. They're very administrative. They're very cerebral. And they're very, uh, they like things in order. They like things in a certain way. And each person is, has been gifted um, either one or several of uh, these uh, personality types or and things like that. But when, but, God wants you to use it not for ourselves, not for our glory, but for his glory. And throughout the Bible, God uses everyone, um, especially the weak and the humble. Because if if he chooses somebody who is strong and mighty, you, you don't really see the glory of God through them. He uses the weak. He uses everybody because he wants to be known. He has to be known. It is God that must be known, not ourselves. He uses he used people like Gideon. Um, I don't know if you know the study, story of Gideon, but um, the Midianites were uh, these powerful people that were in control of uh, his people. And he... He was called by God uh, to lead his people against the Midianites. And um, he was like, are you sure, God? You know, like, you sure you want to use me? I'm like the weakest of my family, which is like the weakest of my tri- uh, uh, the tribe of people. You sure you want to use me? And he used people like David against Goliath. He used Jonah, who j- ran away from him and got swallowed by a fish. And he used Joshua to fight the battle of Jericho. And he did that to show that he is the Almighty One. He is the Powerful One. And he wants to use us in the same way. And when we submit to God, when we give our lives to Him, He will use you in a powerful way that we could never have imagined. And I'm a living testimony of that. I have. I don't think I would ever step in front of a pulpit ever, even if though it's a music stand. But it's a. You know, I I didn't, I didn't think I would preach the word of God. <laughs> I, I I envisioned myself spreading God's word uh, to my friends or people who didn't know Him like that. But this is something that I did not envision at all. In all parts of the body need to perform in harmony in order for it to function properly. Every part has its function. Every one of us in here has our function. And think of a marching band. Um, I know it's like 
a couple of us here, we are big fans of the movie Drumline. There is a, a, a motto of the band. It says, one band, one sound. And I think our church's motto should be one God, one spirit. Because as one body in Christ, we can... Because, okay, I admit, I was part of a drum uh, a marching band <laughs> and in high school. And um, I was part of the drum corps. And um, it was actually kind of fun. A little dorky, but kind of fun. But uh, I, I think... I think of God as the drum major standing in front of the line just directing us. And I see the leadership, the pastors, the elders, and whoever is in a, a position of leadership is the drum line because we follow the beat of their drums. They're the ones that, that are going to lead us um, closer and closer to Christ. So... As I read you the, the statistics of all the churches that have failed, um, one of the things that we have to change our mentality as a church is that we often look to see what God and church could do for us. But rather, shouldn't we be looking to see what we can do for God and His church? So his, name, so his name can be known to everybody. If I can quote the 35th President of the United States, he said, My fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Of course, that was John F. Kennedy um, during his inauguration speech in 1961. Um, and he goes on saying, My fellow citizens of the world, ask not what America will do for you, but what together we can do for the freedom of man. And just like President Kennedy said in his speech, we must do that with our fellow brothers and sisters at New Hope, which forms the body of Christ, with Christ at the head. Because we, I mean, it's natural. We tend to focus on our own needs. What do we need? What do I need from the church today? What do I need from God today? But as a body of Christ, we must shift our focus on what we can do for the kingdom of God as one body and one spirit. Um, there was a film clip I wanted to share, but Kathy just left. <laughs> And see, it said perhaps the better metaphor would be our church as a battleship instead of a cruise ship. Low battery. Reasons, actually, the main reason I uh, chose this passage, chose this topic, is as um, most of you know that in the new year we're going to be facing some changes. Most notably, um, our pastor resigning um, towards the end of the year. And although it 
actually saddens me for, um, to see him go. It is also our call as a church, as a body of Christ, to to really take on this challenge, to move forward um, as one, as as a unit, not as individuals, not as many units, but as one unit, as a body of Christ. And and like I said, we're not immune to all the things that bring down churches. The enemy is there. He's real. He's going to attack. And when he does, would you rather be on a cruise ship or a battleship? And we as a church need to have a mindset of a battleship, a battleship and because we're going against a very powerful and real enemy. And I look forward um, to taking on this challenge with you, each, every one of you, because everyone is called to be a part of this body. And every one of you has a task, a job. Why don't we just um, bow our heads and just come before the Lord right now and was um, being presented to you um, if there any, if there's anything that was really tugging at your heart that God was really speaking to you um, if you could just lay that before him if you have to confess of something that that's been weighing heavily on your heart or or haven't given him what he deserves which is our all because in our sinful nature we tend to hold on to things that are not ours because everything belongs to him he is the creator of all things Father, forgive us, Lord. You are our creator, our savior, Lord. And without you, we don't exist. Father, we just come before you as a church as a body, Lord, with you as the head, Lord, we come before you and we surrender, saying, you are in control, Father, not us, and you will see us through, Lord God, no matter what happens, no matter what challenges and obstacles lay in front of us, Lord that we are able to destroy the enemy with your strength in your name not in our own strength 
Father, be with us as we go forth in this new year, Lord. Whatever resolutions or whatever goals that we may set, not just for this new year, but for our lives from this point forth, Lord. That you be the center, you be the focus, Lord God. Lord, even in times of trouble, in times of need, you are always there. We just have to go to you. We have to call upon your name. In our pride, in our selfish nature, we tend to just keep things to ourselves or we need to accomplish things on our own, Lord. Let us set that aside. Let us set aside our pride, our selfishness, Lord, and just come to you on bended knees and say, Father, we need you. We need you to get through this. Lord, we just thank you for your word today. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you, Father, for our church, our body of Christ, for all these talented people you have given us, that we may be able to come together as one, each contributing our uniqueness to this body in order for it to make it work. Father, give you all the glory and praise. In Jesus' name we pray.